Welcome back to Core Conversations, a CoreLogic podcast, where we dive into the heart of what makes the property market tick. I'm May Claire Bolton-Smith, your host and curious observer of all things related to property, from affordable housing to market trends, to the impacts of natural disasters to climate change. I want to converse about it all. So today we're going to investigate and debunk some of the myths that are currently circulating within the property market. You know the ones we're talking about, the idea that we're currently in a housing bubble and that the expiring governmental aid is going to throw millions of homeowners into foreclosure. We'll start with why this is actually not the case, and then we're also going to talk about just how many of these claims are grounded in truth and which ones are pure myth. Sensational headlines covering industry trends are designed to grab attention. In the process, they can also perpetuate a sense that today's market is somehow abnormal. While it's no secret that the property market can swing from one extreme to the next, most of the time the industry resides somewhere in the middle, and it's not perpetually on that cliff ready to fall off. So to help separate truth from legends, we have CoreLogic principal economist Molly Basil with us today to speak about some of the popular myths in the housing market and how these tall tales intersect with the truths of industry trends. Welcome to Core Conversations, Molly. Oh, it's really great to be here, May Claire. So excited to talk to you today, and this is such a fun topic. So to get us started, why don't you start by telling our listeners a little bit about your background and your role here at CoreLogic? Oh, yeah. I am a principal economist in the office of the chief economist, and I've spent some time at both Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. So I've been in this business a while, but at CoreLogic, I spent a lot of time looking at the housing market data and just seeing what the trends in the data are telling us about what's happening in the market now and what might, might be happening in the future. That is fantastic. And the reason we want to talk to you today, and our listeners are very familiar with our chief economist, Frank Notaft, so it's great to have someone else from his office here with us today, too. So before we get into some of the actual myths that are currently being passed off as truth, can you give us your view on why there's so much misinformation circulating around about the property market? Oh, sure. Well, there's a, really a couple different reasons. First of all, buying a home is a, really a big investment, both financially and yeah. emotionally. So there's so much wrapped up in that. So we think about it a lot, you know, we're really worried about this investment. And then just, um, you know, again, it's just a big emotional investment as well. Definitely. But there's also this um, memory of the Great Recession and the housing crash. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really just not that long ago. So that, um, you know, we keep comparing a lot of what's happening now to what happened back then, which is really an extraordinary time. Yeah, it's funny how it was just over a decade ago, but it still feels relatively recently. So I'm sure it's it, it haunts many people, um, especially those home buyers out there. So if we get into the specifics of one of the falsehoods, we hear that there's going to be a tsunami of foreclosures resulting from the financial strains brought on by the pandemic. How true is this? So, you know, in short, it's not true. Okay, <laughs> but, good. Um, but I'll give you some details of, of why that will be. Um, you know, you think about the, um, you think about what happened after the pandemic and a lot of borrowers really had a shock to their income. So, you know, we really did have a large increase in mortgage delinquencies mm -hmm. uh, in the early part of the pandemic, early 2020. Um, but as we progress through that and into 2021, the, the number of new delinquencies really went down, mm -hmm. uh, first of all. But then those borrowers that were in delinquency, so those delinquency numbers, they, they actually include borrowers that are in forbearance. Okay. So uh, the borrowers that were in forbearance were behind on their payments, but 
but they weren't progressing into foreclosure. So they were being held in delinquency and not going into foreclosure. So, you know, as that forbearance kind of um, comes off for a lot of borrowers, we've had fewer borrowers go into delinquency. And during that two-year time, um, incomes have really um, come back. So we've yeah. gained about uh, almost 90% of the jobs lost have come back. Wow during the last two years. Yeah. So a couple of things in there. Uh, last season, we talked quite a bit about forbearance with Pete Carroll um, in our very first episode of this podcast, actually, and then again, recapped in episode 30. But I, I want to revisit a few things just because some people may not be familiar with it. Uh, can we just yeah, start with the difference between like, what forbearance actually is and what the difference between forbearance and delinquency, and then kind of get into why so many people had loans and forbearance in the first place? Yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, so forbearance is really a tool to help borrowers who can't make their mortgage payments. Mm -hmm. So they'll just be kept um, in later stages of delinquency and they won't progress into foreclosure. Okay. So a lot of times that's um, used during natural disasters when there's a shock to uh, borrowers income and they just can't make their payments or maybe they aren't even, you know, in their houses, you know, they've been displaced. So they can't even right. physically make their payments. Right. So that's a tool that's often used. So the um, after the COVID-19 pandemic took hold in the U.S., the federal government directed lenders to make forbearance available to borrowers. Um, and that kept them uh, in delinquency and didn't let them progress into foreclosure. And like I said, that gave borrowers time to uh, recoup their income, maybe get a new job, get their old job back and become current on their payments. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, new delinquencies uh, have been um, much lower uh, over the past two years than they were during the, at the very beginning of the pandemic. Yeah, I think that's an, a very important part of the story. Um, I want to also kind of look, I think it's worth mentioning the opposite side of that coin, that while many homeowners hit pause on their loan payments and may have gone into forbearance, home equity has been accumulating. So can that help stave off some of the foreclosures? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, home equity plays a large role in the, the health of the mortgage market right now. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, thinking about, you know, when I when we started off, I was talking about, you know, thinking about the Great Recession and the housing yeah. crash. Um, so um, we're in a really opposite situation right now um, during the or in the during the housing crash about 26% of borrowers were in negative equity that means they owed wow. more on their mortgage than their home was worth that's huge now that yeah that is huge now that rate is 2% wow so you know that's wow. that's really okay. close to zero so yeah. we're not having a problem with negative equity anymore uh, in fact years of home price appreciation uh, has given us huge amounts of home equity accumulation, as you said, mm -hmm. that'll cushion borrower. So a borrower, you really need uh, what we'll talk about, a double trigger. So you need to be, a borrower needs to be behind on their payments and they also need to have no equity in their house because uh -huh. if they have the equity and they're behind on their payments, they can just sell their house. They're not going to be foreclosed upon. They're gotcha. not going to have a short sale. So, I mean, it's not an ideal situation for the borrower. I don't want to make light of that at all. Right. Um, it's a serious situation. But they're they're going to make enough money selling their house to repay their mortgage. Got it. Okay. That that's an important point. That's that's a really important distinction that I, I'm glad that you brought up because I think that's something that 
I don't really hear people talk about that too much, that this is why it's so important to talk about this uh, accumulation of equity. So most borrowers who want to gain access to any cash that they may have equity built up in their in their home would generally refinance their homes. Um, however, another potential myth or untruth that's circulating is the opinion that refinancing is going to dry up. I know Frank Notaf talked many times about this historical high of, of interest rates being so low, refinance being so high. What's really going on here? Oh, yeah. Well, there was a a really large refinance wave during 2020 and 2021 that was really driven by those historically low mortgage rates. In 2021, uh, the annual average mortgage rate was the lowest it's ever been. So, uh, you know, think about that. So anybody that had a mortgage outstanding was really um, incented to refinance that to a lower rate. So um, first of all, so mortgage rates are headed up. Let's all agree on that. I mean, in fact, if you look at the numbers over the last few weeks, um, they've increased quite a bit. Um, and that's really due to the uh, inflation we've been seeing uh, in the U.S. It's at nearly the same rate of inflation that we saw 50 years ago. Wow. So we haven't seen this level of inflation for almost 50 years. Um, so not many of us are going to remember that. <laughs> so um, so the Federal Reserve is um, committed to taming that inflation. So to do that, they're going to increase interest rates, which will have an impact on mortgage rates and cause them to continue to go up. Um, they'll still be fairly low um, in compared to, you know, 50 years ago, mortgage rates were much higher than they are now. Yeah. But all that means, again, is that mortgage rates are headed up. Okay. Now, think about how low they were the past couple of years, yeah. you know, any new home purchases um, and any, um, any refinances, you know, we're sitting with record low, low mortgage rates. Um, mortgage rates in 2021 averaged just below 3%. Wow. You know, think back to even 2006 and seven, they were around six or 7%. So that's not that's even the, the, the difference. Yeah. Right. That's not even that long ago. Um, but so when we think about um, the mortgages that are out there, not many borrowers have um, high mortgage rates. So they don't have an incentive to do a refinance for a new rate or even a new term. There have been a lot of um, borrowers um, lowering their terms to pay up their mortgages faster. Right. But, you know, you asked about the equity and um, cash out refinances. So not all refinances are for rate or term reduction. A lot of um, refinancing is for cash out refinancing. So a lot of, you know, we have borrowers who want to tap into that record level of equity. So cash out refinancing have been actually um, pretty low. Uh, So about a year ago, early 2021, cash out refinances made up about 14 percent ish of total originations now they're about 25 percent of total originations so we've okay. seen an increase in that as borrowers tap into that so all that is to say that refinancing it isn't going to dry up but it is going to look a lot different than it did last year right wow that is really interesting so okay the other thing i want to talk about it's probably the big you know biggest tail du jour and the one thing that people talk about more than anything is that the the, uh, cocktail party question you're coming up right (laughs) yes that we're in a housing bubble and I mean 
I would believe this. I live in the Bay Area in California. I would tell you we're definitely in a housing bubble, but I don't know if that bubble is ever going to burst. So how true is that? And is it uh, is it our reality? Why do so many people and imagine many of our listeners, including myself, believe that this is actually the case? Well, when again, when you think back to what happened during the Great Recession, um, prices were going up, yeah. you know, and uh, there was a frenzy and then they just crashed. Um, you got a big difference now between then and now. Yeah. And uh, the difference is that we have incredibly low supply of homes for sale on the market. Um, in fact, um, during right before the Great Recession, and compared to now, we have about half the number of homes wow. for sale as we did back then. Um, so, you know, that's that low supply and that's meeting really high demand. Yeah. Um, and that high demand's coming from, first of all, the low mortgage rates we talked about. Um, yep. Low mortgage rates make for lower payments. And so, you know, there's an incentive to get, uh, get a mortgage with a lower payment. Um, and also the demand is coming from, um, you know, the age structure of our population. We got a lot of um, people of prime home buying age out there. Right. So you got this low supply and this high demand meeting and you really, um, you really uh, are having a, an increase in prices. Um, not only that, there is, um, after the Great Recession, we there was a real slowdown in home building and um, that has really yet to recover. So to really get out of this sort of low supply situation, <laughs> we need um, a massive increase in home building. Um, so we need um, that has yet to recover for that. And then on top of all that, <laughs> so we had the low supply going into the pandemic. Yeah. You know, we had the low home building going into the pandemic. In the early parts of the pandemic, a lot of borrowers did, or a lot of homeowners didn't feel safe putting their home yeah. on the market. They didn't want yeah. people traipsing through their house. They thought that was dangerous. You know, we all wanted to be away from people then. Um, that since has recovered, but that played a role in the um, price increases in the early part of the pandemic as well. So there, there's a lot of things going on there. And I want to unpack up some of the things that you just said. And I, I, you know, one thing is there were very few properties on the market. I, I don't think I'd realized that st that was still the case. And if we go back, you know, compared to, prior to recession or different times that there was a lot more inventory than there is available right now. Um, but you know, our listeners will know that I often make comments about where I live here in the Bay Area. And, and when we bought our home, which is nearly four years ago now, it was there were bidding wars unbelievable at the time. And I've talked about how we bid $150,000 over a home and we're outbid wow. by we're, we're outbid by $100,000 ourselves oh, wow. on that home. Right. And now we're seeing things in the Bay Area which I know is a bit of an anomaly where homes are selling for $1 million over their asking price. And wow. it is just it's it's insane and it feels to just keep getting worse and worse. And I know part of that is driven by this low supply. But one other thing you mentioned is that construction is low. And Something triggered a thought. We've talked about construction costs yeah. on this yeah. podcast in the past no, as well, too, and that lumber shortages, lumber. So is that kind of contributing to it as well, too, is that lumber and, and housing supplies that you would use to, to, to build new construction are a lot more expensive? It's, it's, a, that's a, that's also the supply chain okay. um, delays we hear about. 
You know, yeah. if you're going to get started building a house, you you need to know that you're going to have the materials there yeah. <laughs> to finish the house and sell it. So that definitely is going to play a role. And also the other L, which is the labor, uh, um, yeah. labor costs have also gone up. So you have a, it's a lot of expense um, in building a new house as well. Mm-hmm. And the land, you know, what's that? What's my third L? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, think about where you live, May Claire. There's yeah. not a lot of land available to build a house. Um, you know, Definitely you have a lot not. of uh, natural restrictions <laughs> for your building yeah. um, there. So, yeah, you got a lot at play here. Um, but again, it's that new supply that really needs to, to come into play to help us, you know, ease up the supply shortage. Sure. Yeah. Okay. You started on an interesting topic was the, the buyer competition. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, that now is, um, you know, it's it's eased a little bit. Um, compared to where it was last year, but in last year it was at an all-time high. Oh, really? Um, so, yeah, CoreLogic, you know, we have um, multiple listing service data, uh, and we can go in there and, and look at, um, we can look at the list price, the initial list price, not just, you know, when that's been ch- lowered or changed. We can look at the initial list price, and then we can compare that to what the, the home was sold for. So typically, you know, in our... 25 year history of our multiple listing service data that we um, use for this analysis um, between 15 and 25 percent of homes sell above a li- initial list price okay that's wow. historically yeah. you know you, you see a theme here in this whole podcast of <laughs> things are a little out of ordinary right now in the middle of last year that hit 55 percent of wow so for wow. more than initial list price. You know, it's eased a little debt bit. I, uh, I looked at February's number, it was 45%. You know, we're still way outside that 15 to yeah. 25%. So wow. you just have the borrower, like you said, bidding wars, yeah. you know, short supply bidding wars. Um, you know, the higher interest rates will probably, um, you know, calm that down a little bit. Okay. Um, you know, as borrowers don't feel like they need to rush to get that that low interest rate they were chasing last year. Sure. So yeah. That, that should help calm that down a little. Do we do we foresee there being a change in the supply issue, in particular with new construction? Do you do you see that changing? Or do we have any any intel? I think it'll that? just be some gradual increases in new construction. Okay. So this has been so great, Molly. And just to finish off, I, I want to look at kind of a one more comparison. We've talked about the Great Recession. How are the current circumstances of what we've experienced right now, which is a little bit abnormal, how is it different than what we experienced in the Great Recession? You've talked a little bit about this, but can we dive a little bit more there? And, you know, is there anything in terms of forecasting, in terms of home prices and market supply for the year ahead? Yeah. So, you know, we were talking about the market supply. Um, We were uh, going into the Great Recession, actually, we were oversupplied in housing. Oh, wow. So, you know, <laughs> so we've, we've switched now to an undersupply. So that will um, keep prices from falling. So prices okay. aren't expected to fall at all, you know, but they really, um, they really can't keep going up the rate they are. Uh, you, you know, there are people behind these mortgages, <laughs> and they need to be able to afford them. So, yeah we, um, you know, we will get to a point where, you know, people just aren't willing to take out these large uh, mortgages to pay pay these high home prices. So right. um, we do expect, uh, while prices will continue to increase, they're going to increase at a 
lower rate than they are now. So we do actually expect um, with our home price forecast that prices will continue to increase at double digit rates through about the middle of this year, but then begin to ease a little bit, maybe down to, you know, 5% or more by the end of the year. But so um, still increases in home prices. Um, And we do expect um, that uh, the higher interest rates will play a role in that as well. Sure. So we talk about home prices, but, you know, to take out a mortgage, you need to worry about the the interest rate. So as interest rates go up, payments get higher. So that should play a role in in kind of slowing down home price appreciation. Got it. Okay. Well, that was a lot today, Molly, and I'm glad that you were able to kind of debunk some of these myths that are out there and set the record straight on on the, the housing market. So thank you so much for joining me today on Core Conversations, the CoreLogic podcast. All right. Thanks a lot. That was great. And thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed our latest episode. Please remember to leave us a review and let us know your thoughts and subscribe wherever you get your podcast to be notified when new episodes are released. And thanks to the team for helping bring this podcast to life. Producer Jesse Devenins, editor and sound engineer Romy Roman, and our social media duo of Sarah Buck and Michaela Brooks. Tune in next time for another core conversation.